Bow you please, grab it and turn open to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And Anne-Marie is going to come and read that for us. Not yet? Okay, sorry. Put a hold on that. And uh, Bob is going to speak to us from God's Word this morning. coming through any second now. Thank you. My name's Bob. For those of you that don't know me, sometimes I'm up the front playing guitar or um, leading the service. I'm not a leader in the church or a teacher or anything like that, but through some creative miscommunication between our two pastors, here I am. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Matt, for that. All right, then, so I reckon I should pray before I start, because um, I've never done this before. God, we thank you for the Galatians so far, what we've been through, and um, for the passage that we've got today. Just help me to speak your words this morning, and that they'd be words that, um, that people need to hear and take out into their community. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let me just make sure my clicker works. Oh, no, I won't do that. All right, then, so I remember... I moved up here 10 years ago with my wife and that year, 2005, we hosted Christmas with my wife's family. And um, my brother and sister-in-law, they had twins. They were 18 months old, a twin boy and a girl at the time. And they turned up and I said, you know, hello, hello, hug, hug, kiss, kiss, how was your trip? And then my sister-in-law, she's off and around the lounge room. And she's picking things up off the floor and putting them on the benches and up high. Anything on the bottom shelf of a bookshelf or a cabinet was placed on top, out of reach of the kids. The TV remote went from in front of the TV on the TV cabinet to behind the TV and the TV cabinet, which is very annoying. And I like things to be even. So I had the Christmas tree nicely decorated. All the coloured baubles were evenly spread on the tree and the different sizes and shapes, and all those things, the tinsel, it looked great, it was nice. By the time my sister-in-law was finished with it, within two minutes of arriving, this, if my clicker's going to work, is what we had to put up with for our Christmas tree. That may have ordinarily been a nice photo of my three-year-old nephew, but it's, it's got this ridiculous-looking tree in the background. That was my sister-in-law's way of keeping her children safe in our home. A couple of years ago we hosted Christmas again and the twins were old enough not to need that kind of protection. So this is sort of what it was like for the Galatians that Paul's writing to. They, that The Jewish people were living under the law of Moses before and it was a constraint to them, like having things out of reach. It was their protection until Jesus came so they could have a relationship with him through faith in Christ. And so we've been looking at a bit through Galatians of, of Paul saying to them, stop going back to that law of Moses. You've got something better ahead of you. And we'll be looking at that, as Matt was talking about, with inheritance this morning. So if you want to come and do the reading, that'd be fantastic, thanks. You might need to listen. That's very small. <laughs> Reading from Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to chapter 4, verse 7. 
You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of our Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Thanks for that. All right then, so... Paul's been writing to the Galatians so far about what's been going on and they're going back. And this passage today that Paul's given me to speak about, Pastor Paul, not the writer of this book, Paul, um, is like a, it's like a, the end of this whole section that he's been going on about. So this is like, he's finishing up this and then he moves on. And straight away in verse 26, he's changed the way that he's speaking to the Galatians. He was sort of using these terms of we about a people. And he's changed his, his speaking already to you so that the reader who gets it can put themselves into that. And it's the same for, for, for us as well, for anyone or for the Gentiles. It doesn't matter, he's saying, it doesn't matter who you are, you apply to this message. Okay, cool. So I recently got some... They told me to be careful of the delay on this clicker. Here we go. Go forwards one. I won't touch it. Forwards. I got it. Nope. Doesn't matter. Forget it. It's the right one. No, that's no, alright. Yep. Stop. <laughs> I recently got some inheritance. It wasn't much, don't get too excited. But um it was nice. My parents are here today, so I've got to be careful. Um, I've got some inheritance and I've got an equal share with my older brother and my oldest sister and my younger brother. Didn't I? <laughs> Good. It's a given that I, that I would get an equal share with, with my, my siblings and, um, you know, and it was all very good. But think about the royal family, which is where this whole thing was going crazy. Um, the royal family, who's the heir to the, the, the throne in England there? See, if you're not part of even the right people, so the, the right family, you're not going to be considered, none of us are going to be considered to be heir to the throne because we're not even part of the right people, the right family. And then it's not going to be one of the women either. It's not my rule, it's just the way it is. I'm sorry, it's not going to be a girl, it's going to be a woman who's going to get to be king of England next to get the, the crown. And there's even there's some, some guys in there and they're not the firstborn son. So, you know, who are they? Edward and Harry and Andrew. They're going to miss out too. 
just because they weren't the firstborn. They might actually have more credentials. They might do a better job, but they're not going to be the heir because they just didn't happen to be born first. So it's going to be, you know, it's either going to be Charles or, or the other guy, William, because they were the firstborn, and, and maybe it's meant to be Charles, but he might have upset the Queen a bit, some of his antics, you know, but it's one of the firstborn sons. And this was the, um, this was the, the model that the Jews had to live by, or the, the Christians at the time that Paul was writing to, and they knew it as well. If you weren't, um, you know, if you weren't a Jew, they thought, well, you weren't part of specials. God's special people. If you weren't, you know, if you're a Gentile, then that you weren't immediately you were out. If you were a woman, then forget it. And if you weren't a firstborn son, then you weren't even going to really get much anyway, unfortunately. But it's even worse for the people that Paul was writing to because remember they were actually quite poor, the Christians in the day. So there was nothing to inherit. So even if they were the firstborn son, they, they stood to get nothing. And remember what we've been saying about. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I think that um, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we, we know we know, you know all the time we remember that, that we're 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 going to inherit you know the kingdom of heaven. We're Christians, we, we believe that through faith and so we're going to be saved. And we know it, but we still forget it. And we try and do other things to earn it. And it's like what Paul was saying a while ago. He had a friend in Coffs Harbour. He never forgot about his friend. But when he's driving south, as he gets into Coffs, he remembers his friend. And I'll go and see him. Well, that's like us. We, we know it. We always know the truth of the matter of our inheritance, that we're going to be co-heirs. But, but we just forget to think about it often. If someone asks us about it, we'll say, yeah, yeah, I know where I am. I know my place. But we forget to think about that all the time. All right, identity. So verses 1, move on to chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. So Paul describes what it's like to be under the restraint of the law of Moses or for the Gentiles still lost to sin. So he's talking about them being like a child. And the term child here, the way that Paul is speaking to them in the original sort of text, it's like an infant who's even too young to speak. And an infant in those days had no rights in their father's house, even if one day they were going to inherit everything. At the time, they were kept under guardian or tutor. The, the TV remote was kept behind the TV for their own safety, and they had no rights. In fact, they were like a slave. That's what it says there. And um, the, the people that Paul was writing to, they knew about slavery and that kind of thing. They knew how it worked in their society. And he's saying, so, you, you know, you're like, you're like a slave, you're like a, an infant, you've got nothing. Living under the, um, the old Jewish law for the, or for the law of Moses, for the, the Jews, was, it was his restraint to them. All their symbols and their ceremonies and the legal restraints of living under the law, they couldn't reach that. That was their restraint. And for the, the Gentiles, it was, it was their rituals and their pagan ceremonies that they had to keep as well. This was a, you know, it was it was a, a restraint to them. It made them like like infants. They had nothing to gain from that. But then Paul moves on and he shows them, moving on from the restraints of the law, to being like 
a child as in co-heirs. Quick. And this time when he's talking about a child, it's got the word son there. It's changed in the in the you know the original text. This is like talking, he's talking to a a mature-aged son, like an adult, who's received their inheritance. They have it now. So they're no longer waiting for it. They're no longer kept under tutor or guardianship of people, but they've grown up and they, they have received their inheritance. They've already got it. The word there, adoption, some of the um, Bibles have got you know, different words in there. This one's straight off um, the NIV, but straight off the, the Bible Gateway site. And it says, you know, receive adoption to sonship. That means to be placed as. So Jews or Gentiles, us, Christians or non-Christians, through faith in Christ, we, we are, are placed as sons who have already received their inheritance. That's what we've got. So Paul is it's saying again to them, Stop going back to the law of Moses. There are TV remotes out of reach. You can't get to it. Those shiny baubles, they're out of reach. Stop it. You've already received it. Remember that. And sometimes what we do as Christians, again, even though we we know this stuff, we remember it, but we look at each other. We might look at someone else, a Christian, and go, "What, what are they doing? Should I be doing that? I see that person who's making those meals for those people all there. They're in the kitchen out the back serving coffee. What, what am I doing on a Sunday morning? There's people that play, play at church or they're at the front doing things. Should I be doing that? Am I good enough to do that? What can I do? But remember, it's not about what we can do. We get caught up in thinking, what should I be doing? Am I as good as them? Am I doing the right things? But what can you do to earn what Jesus has done for you? Nothing. When a um, when a baby's born, this is really really cool. When a baby's born, immediately from day one, the parents can recognise a baby's cry, and somehow the studies have shown that somehow babies, when they're born, even from the first day, they when they cry, they they mimic their mum's voice intonations and the tones and the way the mum speaks, they're able to do that and that way mum and dad, they're able to, to recognise their baby's cry that's why when all the young parents or parents of young kids sit at the back of the church and we hear a baby crying, we all look at each other our own spouses, but only one parent gets up and goes out because only one parent or set of parents recognises that baby And it's like us with our Heavenly Father. See, our, our Father hears us. We have a, a spiritual cry. Abba, Father, in verse 6 there. And it's a cry that's heard by our Father. I've seen um, little Theo crying. Someone's got him. And he starts to cry. I get a bit upset. And Luke goes, give him to me. He's, you know, his dad. And, and Luke takes him and Theo stops crying. Because Luke knows what he needs. Well, it's the same with our Father, He knows what we need. And sometimes when you're, you're in turmoil or you're struggling or you don't know what to pray for or you just, you know, you're a bit lost, you can just sit and be quiet and you're in a spirit. As in the spirit lives in you when you become a Christian, it cries out, Abba, Father. It knows what to pray for. It knows how to talk to God. And it's a very comforting thing. And that's what this spiritual cry is about, Abba, Father. It's, it's a cry to our Father who hears us and he knows what we need. 
And then Paul's kind of wrapping it up here in this one word, start of verse 7, so. Or it might have in another version, therefore. It's my favourite part of the entire entire passage. See, what Paul's saying there, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to write this much. What he's saying is, now listen, guys, see what I've written since verse 1, chapter 1 of this letter? See how I put everything in, in order for you to understand it. I've made all these really good points, if and then. It's like a perfect argument, like a computer program. My logic here is undeniable. I've put it to you. So, he didn't want to say all of that, so he goes, so, or therefore... Then you are no longer a slave, or a co-heir with Christ. And there's a couple of questions. I don't know if you saw at the start there that the title to the, the talk was "Who do you think you are?" There's a couple of of ways you can ask that question from a couple of different people, and there's a couple of answers. Well, the answers are actually the same. But sometimes, what really frustrates me, maybe it shouldn't, I don't know, but when a person who's not a Christian says, oh, I couldn't come to church, I couldn't be a Christian, I'm beyond saved, I can't, God doesn't, you know, God couldn't save me, or Jesus couldn't save me because of what I've done. And the question, you know, who do you think you are, it's like, well, who do you think you are? What makes you so special? Who do you think you are that you're beyond what Jesus did? Paul said earlier on in the letter, I, I was, you know, a persecutor of Christians. Actually, I was a leader of Christian persecution. Now, he's a, he's a pretty rugged Christian now, or then we're writing it, but he used to actually be the leader of Christian persecution. He wasn't beyond that. So what makes you so special that you think you're beyond what Jesus did? And for the Christians, we say, you know, who do you think you are? What, do you, what can you do? What do you think you can do to earn what Jesus did? We look at other people and we think, what, are we, what am I doing? Am I doing enough? What should I be doing? But it's not... You can never do enough. So who do you think you are? The question is, the question is, what, what can you do to separate yourself from what Jesus did on the cross? And what can you do to earn what Jesus did on the cross? And the answer to both is nothing. And so we've been saying all along, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So we've moved on from being under this slavery of the law of Moses the law of my sister-in-law in my own home, moving everything out of the way, to having faith in Christ. And through that, we have already inherited as mature adults what Christ did for us. And there's no need to look back. So, finish up with prayer. Hey, whatever. And um, we'll sing another song. I think the people at the back will still be teaching their kids. That's okay. God, thanks for um, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the word. Thanks for helping me out and making the message clear. Help us as we go into our community to remember that we have received your inheritance. There's nothing we can do. It's already done for us and not to look back. And for those in our, our lives, in our community that don't know that, that think that they need to be doing something or that they're not good enough, help us to, to be the right people in their lives and have the right relationship and say the right things to help them out. Help me realise that they too can inherit what Jesus did for them. Amen.